Good day to you ladies and gentlemen. My name is Anes Wamboya and this is the Relationship Center of the Edify Podcast Network. I'm glad you've tuned in and today we're going to continue with our series on process. Now, if you've been joining us for the first time, well, we're going to let you know that we've been doing a series with David Kimani on the different processes that God takes us as he grows us as he leads us to maturity. And we looked at David's process part 1 and part 2, and then last week we looked at Joseph's process, the process that Joseph went to. And we've learned a number of things concerning our God that our God is a God of the process. He's not just a God of the destination, he's also a God of the journey. And how do we overcome? How do we stand firm as he takes us through stages of maturity? And we've seen that God will take us through the process for a number of reasons. He'll take us through the processes of life to mature us. He'll take us through the processes of life so that we can be ready for the blessings that he wants to give us. And we don't want to be an unprocessed people when God wants to work with us. God works with processed people. And today I'm going to be continuing the series by looking at the book of Judges chapter 1. Now the book of Judges is a book that comes just after the children of Israel have entered the promised land. And it's very key because we see the children of Israel inherit the gift that they've longed for. And the many of us who long for our figurative promised land, there are things you're trusting God for. There are things you're waiting God for. And it will come. It will eventually come. But the question is, when it comes, will you be ready? When we look at Judges chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 19. We're going to see the traps and the snares to avoid during the process. The traps of Satan or the traps of this world as we pursue God and as we go through the process that he's taking us through. So, Judges chapter 1, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, The Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because the chariots they had chariots fitted with iron. So Moses had promised as Moses had promised Hebron was given to Caleb, who drove from it the three sons of Anak. The Benjamites was 21, however, did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day the Jebusites live there with the Benjamites. And then it goes on to say verse 22, now the tribes of Joseph attacked Bethel and the Lord was with them. When they sent men to spy out Bethel, formerly called Luz or Luz, depending on how you pronounce it, the spies saw a man coming out of the city and said to him, "Show us how to get into the city and we will see that you are treated well." So he showed them and they put the city to the sword but spared the man and his whole family. He then went to the land of the Hittites where he built a city and called it Luz, which is its name to this day. Verse 27. But Manasseh did not drive out the people of Bethshan or Tanakh or Do or Ibliam or Megiddo and their surrounding settlements for the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. When the Israelites became strong verse 28 they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor but never drove them out completely. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in Giza but the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Neither did Zebulon drive out the Canaanites living in Kitron or Nahalol. So these Canaanites lived among them, but Zebulon did sus- subject them to forced labor. Nor did Asher drive out those living in Akko or Sidon or Ahlab or Akzib or Helba or Aphek or Rehob. 
the Asherites lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land because they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out those living in Beth Shemesh or Beth Anath, but the Naphtalites too lived with the Canaanites inhabitant among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land, and those living in Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became forced laborers for them. Verse 34. The Amorites confined the Danites to the hill country, not allowing them to come down into the plain. Excuse me. Verse 35. And the Amorites were determined also to hold out in Mount Heres, Aijalon, and Shalbim. But when the power of the tribes of Joseph increased, they too were pressed into forced labor. Verse 36. The boundary of the Amorites was from Scorpion Pass to Selah and beyond. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall not make a covenant to the people of this land, but shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And I also said, I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you and their gods will become snares to you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud and they called that place Bochim. There they sacrificed, they offered sacrifices to the Lord. So the children of Israel have just inherited the promised land and they have gone through a very tough process in the desert and they finally gotten the land that they've been longing for. And the Lord has now settled them in. Now, this is a great thing. The Lord's promises have been fulfilled. The things that they've had for hundreds of years have finally come to pass. The promises that were given to their forefather Abraham hundreds of years ago to inherit this land has come to pass. They have come from the land of slavery. Now, the Lord had given a very strict instruction to the children of Israel. What did he say? He said, when you get to the promised land, you must destroy all of them. You mustn't spare any of the Amorites, any of the Canaanites, any of the Hevites, Perizzites, Hittites. You must destroy all of them. And the Lord says that the Amorites and all their sins have become detestable to him. And their time for punishment was due. And who is Israel? Israel is a rod of instruction to be used to bring the Canaanites into subjection. And Israel has been given a very, very clear mandate. Destroy all of the Canaanites. Don't spare even one of them. But then you notice that the children of Israel don't do that. When you look at Judges chapter 1, you notice that the tribes are beginning to conquer parts of the promised land and they're beginning to access parts of the land. And of course, they're meeting opposition from the Canaanites. But remember, the Lord has already given the Israelites full power to defeat the Canaanites politically and militarily. They've got full power. And we begin in verse 19 with the Lord saying, The Lord was the man of Judah. Not only has the Lord given them full power, his presence is also with them. He guarantees it. He says the Lord is with them. 
and as a result of the Lord being with them, and as a result of the Lord giving them great success militarily, politically, what happens? They get success. They succeed. And the Bible says they took possession of the hill country. But then when you look at verse 19, it says, they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had chariots fitted with iron. Uh-oh. So here we have our first danger. Right from this start, you see that the children of Israel meet a formidable enemy. An enemy from the hill country. And these people are formidable because of their weaponry. Their weaponry include chariots that have iron fitted onto them. Now, iron is a very difficult tool to deal with. And iron is a very difficult, uh, it's a very, very, very difficult material to penetrate. So you can just imagine the difficulty of the war. So it was hard to defeat these Canaanites in the hill country. If you look at the Canaanites in previous parts of the land, they were brought down easily. And they did not have chariots fitted with iron. But the children of Israel faced difficulty. And what do they do? They get into the first trap. The first trap is the danger of failing to obey because it is hard. The danger of failing to obey because it is hard. The children of Israel find a very formidable enemy and instead of sticking to the command of the Lord, destroy them all, what do they do? They leave out part of the people. They are unable to drive out the people entirely. Why? Because of the difficulty of the task. Guys, one of the dangers you can fall to, fall in as God is taking you into your promised land and through the process of life is failing to obey because the task is difficult. Guys, the children of Israel saw that the people had iron chariots and instead of tackling the problem, instead of obeying the command of the Lord, they said, you know what? Don't drive them out. We've conquered enough land. That suffices. That's all right. And guys, they're falling into a very common danger that many believers fall into in the process of life. And that is the danger of failing to obey because it is difficult. Now, guys, please understand this. That one, God doesn't want his people to be quitters. When God gives you a command, he expects you to fulfill it. He does not expect you to quit simply because the task ahead is hard. There's this idea that because it is hard, then God must not be with me. That if God is with me, surely the task should be simple. Guys, that is a stronghold that you need to lay down. That is a stronghold that you need to submit to the Lord and tell him, Hey, Lord, take this away from me because this is a lie from the enemy. This is a lie from the pits of hell. Just because it is difficult does not mean it is not your will. There are many people in scripture who faced very difficult tasks. The assumption that if God is with you, things ought to be easy ought to be cast away. That's a very, very dangerous assumption. And Lord, God doesn't want his people to be quitters. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when the Lord your God has given you rest, remember him. Remember him. What does that mean? That means that the time of rest will come. 
and between now and the time of rest there will be some difficulty secondly this danger ought to remind us that god wants his people to think if you are among the children of israel and you noticed that the chariots of iron were coming down what ought you to have done you ought to have come up with a solution hmm chariots of iron what 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 should we do we too should build our chariots of iron now that's thinking innovation innovation should be sprung out of difficulty now what many professing followers of jesus christ do when they face the chariots of iron instead of thinking instead of coming up with innovation innovative ideas they just turn around and say hey that suffices that will be okay guys god wants his people to think jesus says love the, jesus said love the lord your god with all your mind how do you love the lord with all your mind you think you reason israel should have sat down and said hey wow um how can we build weapons that can penetrate those chariots of iron how can we come up with a solution that can give us a reprieve how can we come up with how how can we use our metal smiths and our iron smiths to to build chariots or weapons that can destroy those iron weapons how can innovation there's a danger in failing to obey because it's hard is that you don't think you don't use your total mind to worship the lord god wants us to worship him with his mind with our mind you know i once had someone say that the holy spirit is not a replacement for your brain <laughs> a bit funny and a bit offensive but it's true that god has given us a mind to reason to think and we should go down history as thinkers thinkers people who use our minds to think of solutions what has the lord asked you to do is it difficult are you turning away and running away or are you coming up with a solution and also we need to remember that god wants god wants his people to remember that he is with them you know it's funny that the children of israel had the lord with them the bible says the lord was with them and the lord being with them does not take away the difficulty of the task but what it does is that it guarantees victory and god wants you to remember in the midst of the difficult task that he is with you when gideon was told to conquer the midianites it was a difficult task but what the lord tell him i am what did the lord tell him i am with you when the lord asks you to do something there's no guarantee of ease but there's a guarantee of victory and if you know that then you'll avoid this danger of failing to obey because a task is difficult the lord is with you the lord stands with you the lord will always fight for you you just need to obey so that's the first danger what's the second danger the second danger is in verse 28 and before verse 28 you keep seeing a trend since then right from verse 22 you see that joseph attacked bethel manasseh attacked the people of bethshan and then you see dan attacked uh, and you see uh, the, the children of israel keep attacking keep attacking but you also notice something that when they attack they do not they do not drive all the people completely zebulon attacked but they do not drive all the people completely and you find that the the the, the, the command 
was to drive out the people completely. The command was not was not to have the people coexist with them, but was to drive them out completely. Now, what does it say in verse 28? It says, when Israelites, when is when Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor. Guys, this is the next danger. The danger of finding an alternative to obedience. The danger of finding an alternative to obedience. The children of Israel saw that these people, instead of driving them out, instead of listening to what the Lord says, let us come up with a different solution. Let's make them our slaves. Now, this was a big mistake, guys. Because the children of Israel were not meant to have slaves. They had been slaves. God did not want them to have slaves. And the children of Israel were given a very clear command that these people in the land of Canaan, the Amorites, the Hevites, the Perizzites, have defiled that land. If you keep them alive, the children of Israel had forgotten that if they keep them alive, that the land will still be spiritually polluted. God was cleansing the land. But they said, you know what? I think we can come up with a better solution. I don't think God has thought this through. And so what did they do? They chose to make these people as forced labor, slaves. Guys, are you looking for an alternative to obedience? God has given you a very clear path to your process. He says, wait for sex until marriage. But you say, you know what? We'll get married anyway. Let's just move in. Hmm, alternatives. God says, wait for the right time. Don't make money in a don't make money in a way that is uh, not right, that's not legal. Hmm, you know what? But my my bills are due now. Surely uh, God will understand. You're looking for alternatives to obedience. God's word is very clear. And many a times we come up with all with different alternatives and we say that, you know what? We've thought this through. You know, we are saving money by doing this. We are looking for, uh, it is more efficient to do things our way. Guys, this is a danger to find an alternative to obedience. Now you need to understand the children of Israel have been strengthened because verse 28 begins by saying when Israel became strong, you would expect that when they became strong, they would finish the command that God gave them. But no, they became strong and used that strength for an alternative. So these are the lessons. Guys, when God strengthens you, complete the job. Don't use the energy for your own plan. When God strengthens you, complete the job. Don't use the energy for your own plan. Now, the next thing that you need to learn from this is that God's silence is not his consent. Throughout all these conquests, the children of Israel are not fulfilling the command. They're meant to destroy the children of Canaan. But instead of doing that, they're making them as their slaves. You would think God would now interrupt and say, hey, guys, that's not the plan. This is not what I told you. And God is silent, and you may think that his silence means that he agrees with this plan. Guys, please don't mistake God's silence for his consent. When you are there employing an alternative to the obedience that God requires, when, you are, when you're providing an alternative plan to God's plan, and God is silent, don't for a moment think that because he is silent that he consents. God has already given a command very clearly. And the reason God is silent is because God knows that you know what you ought to do. There are some of us who think that if God really wants us to do what he asks us to do, then he should reiterate it. He should beg us. Guys, that is not our holy God. God is God. 
and God speaks clearly. That's why God did not interrupt Adam when Adam was about to bite the fruit. What are you doing? Stop, stop, stop. God had already spoken clearly. His command was already reiterated. What does God say to you? Are you waiting for a reiteration in order to obey? Or are you just going to obey? Are you waiting for an interruption from God in order to believe that he truly meant it? Guys, it's not going to come. God has already spoken. His command is clear. If you come up with an alternative, God has said, do not marry that young man, do not marry that young woman, but you think, well, I'm going to go ahead with it and see if it stops me. Don't think that God's silence as you pursue an alternative plan of disobedience means that God consents. God does not consent. His word is clear. And thirdly, the next thing you need to learn from this is that earthly wisdom is a hindrance to the blessing of God. The children of Israel must have assessed the situation and thought that the idea of slavery was a very ingenious idea. Oh, wow. This is so wise. And many a times, we do the same thing. We think that our own wisdom is greater than God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom looks simple. Well, the Bible says that the things of God will appear foolish to man. But in the long run, we see that God was always right. The book of James says there are two kinds of wisdom. There's godly wisdom and there's worldly wisdom. How does the Bible term worldly wisdom? The Bible calls it demonic. Demonic. Any alternative to the obedience of God, any wisdom that is contrary to the wisdom of God, no matter how great it looks like, no matter how widely accepted it is, the Bible calls it demonic. It is humanism. God has says all human beings are sinful and in need of repentance. There's not one who is clean. What does humanism say? Well, people are really good. People are not really bad. People are okay. Earthly wisdom, humanism, demonic. Are we going to stand with what God says or are we going to look for alternatives that are not in line with his obedience? Guys, don't fall into the danger of finding an alternative to obedience. And finally, the final danger is the danger of not obeying fully. The Bible says not only did the children press the Canaanites into forced labor, but they never drove them out completely. Guys, half obedience is disobedience. This is the danger of not obeying fully. Half obedience is disobedience. I don't know if you've ever had your phone at 5% and in need of charge and perhaps you take it and you take your charger, plug it into the socket and you plug your phone and you go away and you come back after one hour and you expect to find your phone perhaps at 90% and then to your shock and horror you find your phone is at 3% (laughs) and then you panic and you wonder oh my goodness what's going on then you look and you realize the charger had not been plugged in fully into the socket. And because it was not plugged in fully, it was not drawing out any electricity. Guys, this is the same when we obey God half-heartedly, when we don't obey Him fully. We don't draw out any power. It's just as much as we hadn't plugged in in the first place. The Lord has called some of you to do something and you've obeyed 80%. And you feel pretty content because you feel like, you know what? I obeyed 80%. I am better than those who did not obey at all. Those who did not plug into the socket in the first place. Guys, a socket 
an adapter that is plugged into the socket 80% will not draw out any power. Just as much as an adapter that is not plugged in at all. 80% plugged in is just as much as 0% plugged in. 90% plugged in is just as much as 0% plugged in. If you're not plugged in fully, there's no power you're drawing. And so there are many believers who keep wondering, why isn't my life any different from that of unbelievers? Why isn't my life any different from that of my unbelieving friends? Why is my Christian life without power? Why do I call myself a born-again Christian, but I am powerless, I am dry? I'm getting drained. 5%, 3% about to die. I'm doing all these things. I hear Christians say, I'm reading the Bible, I'm, I'm going to church, I'm doing all these things. But if you find out their commitment to the things of God, they're not committed fully, they're committed partially. And they get frustrated that their partial commitment has not brought forth a full investment. Guys, you cannot have a partial commitment and expect a full reaping. A partial commitment will only result in zero reaping. This is what the Bible says in 2 Samuel, 2 Chronicles, sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Hanani the seer came to Asa and told him that the eyes of the Lord roved through and fro, seeking to strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to him. God is not just looking for people who are committed to him. He's not just looking for people who are trying. He's looking for people who are fully committed to him. And there are many believers who are complaining, oh, but I've waited for so long. I have tried for so long. I have waited. Why hasn't this come through? Why hasn't this come through? Well, the question is, have you plugged in fully? Oh, but I've really tried. You've plugged in 90%. Guys, 90% is not fully. There are things God has called you to drop off. There are friends he's asked you to drop off. You've refused to drop them off. This entertainment is asked you to drop off. You've not dropped it off. But guess what? You've obeyed on everything else. You're on 90%. There are things that you shouldn't be posting on Instagram that he's asking you not to post, but you're still posting them. And he's very clear. He's convicted you. And at times when you're going to post, remember the silence? You think his silence is his consent. It's not. You know what you ought to do. There's some relationships. There's some ties you need to cut off, but you're not cutting them off. And you keep wondering, why am I plugged in and yet I've been waiting here for one hour and my phone is not charged? Half disobedience, half obedience is disobedience. Half obedience brings delay. There are many believers who are experiencing great delays in their life. You wonder why your phone is still at 5%, why it's even gone lower to 3%. The answer is because you're not plugged in at all. Or you're not plugged in fully. God is calling you for full obedience. Obey God on his terms, not on yours. And guys, when you keep reading the story, the Bible says in Judges chapter 2 that the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bokim and he said to the children of Israel, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, led you into the land I swore to give you to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you and shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. You have done this. Why have you done this? And then look at verse 3. The angel says, I will now... I will not drive these people out. I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you and the gods will become snares for you. Guys, the children's lack, the children of Israel refused to obey fully and as a result, the people that they kept as slaves ended up becoming snares to the children of Israel and their children and their children's children throughout the entire book of Judges. In fact, the entire book of Judges is proof of these words coming to pass. 
the Philistines, the Midianites, all this, the all these tribes grew strong, and they were constant thorns in the sides of Israel. They pillaged them, they raped their women, they stole their crops, they destroyed their crops, they 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 killed them in war. What is the lesson? The unfinished job becomes a permanent thorn in the future. Because you've refused to plug in fully, because you're plugged in 90%, you think, oh, what is that 10%? It's better than those who are not plugged in at all. That 10% will become a permanent thorn in the future. Finish the job. What has God asked you to do? Why are you teetering and tottering? Why are you second-guessing? Why are you waiting? Obey fully. Because the unfinished job becomes a permanent thorn in the future. Guys, in the process, are you obeying fully? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you walk with us? Would you strengthen us? Father, would you help us avoid the dangers during the process of life? Help us avoid the danger of failing to obey because it's difficult. Help us understand that you don't want your people to be quitters. You want your people to think. And you want us to remember that you are with us, that you've not rejected us. Father, Father, help us avoid the danger of finding an alternative to obedience. Father, when you give us strength, like you strengthen the Israelites, let us not use that strength to find an alternative to obedience. Father, let us use that strength to finish the job. Help us understand that your silence is not your consent. That just because you're silent on a matter does not mean you endorse it. That you've already spoken and you want us to obey based on what you've spoken. Father, help us understand that earthly wisdom is a hindrance, the blessing of God. Let us not fall short. Help us trust you. And Father, help us not fall into the danger of not obeying fully. Help us remember that half obedience is disobedience. Help us not have the consequences of having the unfinished job become a permanent thorn in our future. Father, we trust you. Help us walk with you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the series on process. My name is Ernest Wamboy. And for more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, please head over to www.edify.app. That is edifi.app. Or you could search for the Edify app in the App Store and the Google Play Store. And we'll see you next time.